0: Offer valid on Select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: The Around the NFL Podcast
2: has its swagger back. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey Dan. All right. Happy hump day.
3: <laughs> all me. right. Sessler yeah. going on about three hours of sleep here. Still here, still
1: operating, still turning out content.
2: Sessler, uh, Wes, and I all went to the Flock of Dudes premiere in downtown L.A. It was a, a fun time had by all. Now we you're
4: making me look like a jerk.
2: Well, you know. It is you didn't what even it is.
4: mention it to me that you were going. It I guess, all. C- I guess it was on the podcast last time. It but was
2: mentioned. Yeah, it was very clear. We that didn't that get the there
4: until after 10.
2: Um, we enjoyed ourselves. We met it around the NFL listener. That was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, his name was.
1: I actually didn't speak with him. You guys did, but he seemed like a very nice person. What was his name, Wes? Wes uh,
3: J C or something. Oh. He was a nice guy. I don't very know his nice guy. Probably not J C. But th- it was nice to meet him. He was a good guy.
2: <laughs> and so that was cool. Uh, <laughs> Great story, guys. Yeah, that I missed it. Excellent story. <laughs> uh, so that's what's going on, and, and we have a uh, big news. TD is back with us behind the glass. Uh, I think that's why he chose the the money drop that the swagger was back. I mean, reading between <laughs> the lines.
5: <laughs> not at all. I'm not the type to just overload the show or production elements that has anything to do with me being back. I don't do that at all. That's not how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> not how I get down. All right. Glad
2: to be back, though. This guys. was the song, the moment that Eminem just never was the same after this. So maybe it was fitting that you chose this.
4: But thank you for using a, a pop culture reference 15 years old, because that works for all of us. It does. That's all we, <laughs> Appreciate it. we it.
2: And there is – Sully has now been demoted back into his uh, Jimmy Garoppolo backup role, and you <laughs> can see it on his face. He's a little sad. TD, I would be careful. Because Sully was getting a little comfortable in that chair.
5: It's, uh, we're a team here, guys. We're all a team, and we all know that we have roles to play, and uh,
3: it's all about playing the be- role.
2: The best know? part is that Vipe, uh, that TD doesn't realize or pretends not to realize that he's in a Viper den.
4: Nancy Kerrigan thought <laughs> she was Tanya Harding's right. teammate, too. Sully's going to have some under-the-radar 2001-level <laughs> Drew Bledsoe backstabbing. <laughs> Just trying to get Tom Brady out of the chair.
2: Um, a little tease, you know, three shows this week before, Mark, you go on vacation Uh Tomorrow's show, uh, we will bring back uh, the game skill and valor. Win Wes's toaster. We have our contestants locked in. Uh, the offer mentioned Sully did a great job uh, doing some cat wrangling there. Uh, so we have our contestants.
4: The scripted entertainment of skill and valor. All right, Greg. You know, you know
1: it's wow. been a it's been an award winning
3: segment.
4: <laughs> Who has given any awards? Best <laughs> of iTunes, the Stitcher. We were. I need your award. <laughs> we were a finalist, I believe, for that. Well, let's hang a banner. Put a banner up.
2: Put a banner up, finalists. Uh, So, yeah, that is on tomorrow's show, so get excited for that. Wes uh, uh, has a lot of confidence after dominating the last time around. Uh, Today's show, uh, we're going to get to a lot of news. There's a lot of stuff to get to as mini camps. A lot of teams are in mini camps right now. This is the last week uh, before the NFL goes dark for a six-week period ahead of training camp, uh, hypothetically speaking. Uh, But... So there's plenty of teams to get to. I think 21 teams are in camp right now. 25. 25 teams in mini minicamp. Uh, so we'll go through some storylines out of there. Also, since there are so many teams practicing and we're starting to get uh, our first looks at some of the uh, most recent draft class, we will do a little uh, rookie whisper. <laughs> I almost stumbled over it because Greg put together the budget today, called it Rookie Buzz.
4: Oh, yeah. That was the name of the article. <laughs> it's a lot different. <laughs> Whisper.
2: So we'll do that. We'll go through. Uh, we'll each uh, highlight two rookies that we, um, you know, have caught our eye and, uh, you know, talk about them in a in an educated way. A little dash of mirth. That's how we do it here. Uh, but before any of that, uh, back to TD behind the glass. Um, TD, you are aware of the code words. There were some. Uh, controversy that perhaps the code words that I was dropping into earlier podcasts while you were gone to make sure you were listening—that you might have been getting fed the uh, the the code words—is that true or false? I'll take you at your word.
5: Well, let's put it this way: like uh, the various, <laughs> the character in Game of Thrones, I have uh, I have you know I have people that whisper things to me, you know crows and whatnot. But um, no, I did listen to the show as much as I could, and I tried to always save them for my flights because I had a bunch of flights. Uh, but uh, I got, I got, you know, I got tipped off on a few code words, and some of them I heard myself.
2: And by the way, just so you know, yeah, if we get hard evidence yeah. that you got tipped off on everything, we will march you through Culver City nude, <laughs> throwing garbage at you and chanting <laughs> shame.
1: <laughs> by the like way, do I get a Spoiler, double? TD, no, you, you got tipped off on a few code words. There were two. So oh, I got tipped off on one. Okay, so yeah. one, not I actually not got tipped off
5: on both, but I heard the other one myself.
1: Gotcha. It's starting yeah. to become clear.
5: I did like your uh, theory that I didn't actually take vacation. I was just watching the NBA Finals. I mean, the <laughs> Finals did end yesterday. Anyway, There's a lot and there. Back at work. <laughs> <laughs> and everything good with the family in Nigeria? Great. Fun times. Right. Uh, great wedding for my sister. It was a joy to joy to watch. I had got to walk her down the aisle. Uh, my father not being there because he's not in great health. He's doing better. But uh, okay. so it was good times. What right, an great. honor
1: for you. Congrats. Yeah.
5: Really, really awesome. Make did your mom say, like, Hey, TD, time for you to get married now. Well, I have, uh, Is that how your mom sounds? I have, no, not at all. I'm oh. <laughs> like an Italian dude. No, she doesn't. <laughs> but it was great. TD,
2: though. it's time for you to
1: pick a man, <laughs> woman. A-
2: is <laughs> 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 getting, what, this getting offensive <laughs> getting offensive
1: Dan has gone so far afield <laughs> yeah. from reality at this point
5: all right Whew. I did bring out a gift for you guys you know it's uh, some british can- candy Cadbury heroes heroes that was very nice of you yeah. don't Thank finish you. it though. but
1: they're not all for us we'll you, try not, you made all there. for you guys
5: now yeah I have as much as your heart desires but yeah, not save some
4: all. for the coaches show they'll be here in <laughs> six months yeah <laughs> they're
2: in the process of building the chains uh that Mariucci and Billick will be uh, <laughs> fastened to under this desk. <laughs> All right, let's do some news.
5: cooking with the sauce, Chef Curry with the pot, boy. Yeah! <laughs> Shout out to the NBA champions, Steph Curry and the Warriors, and obviously Riley Curry, the real MVP. <laughs> the back into that. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? How does Steph Curry not getting an MVP vote. That's crazy. Somebody else that didn't get an
2: MVP vote uh, last season in the NFL – Johnny Manziel, who uh, suffered through the transition, yeah, you. a wow. miserable, <laughs> a miserable rookie season, uh, as Mark and everyone else that follows football can attest.
4: Mark, Mark clearly doesn't have a vote if Johnny got left out.
1: Oh yeah, he would have been my vote. <laughs> he brought all my dreams to life.
2: Um, so Manziel has been trying to keep a, a low key since, uh, you know, getting out of rehab. He's trying to put his career back together. He's clearly uh, lower on the totem pole now than. Uh, when he came into uh the Browns organization but he's doing his best to fight back and on uh on Wednesday for the first time all off season Manziel, uh spoke uh, to the media and uh you know again preached asked for some privacy as uh, in terms of his personal life said that he's doing what he can uh not to let down his teammates again like he did last year he owned up to some issues with maturity and I guess the money quote that people took out of this uh, you know, he was asked about his signature money sign uh, celebration, and his quote was, The money sign will not be back, said Johnny Manziel. Mark, we'll start with you on this uh, as I give you the money sign to get going here. Uh, do you buy this, or is this Johnny Manziel saying the right things to get back in people's good graces?
1: Well, I know I do buy it because I, I think the first step he took was without being tugged into rehab by someone else, he went under his own power. And from, you know, from all you hear, that's the first step to growing. And I I think listening to him today, you know, he spoke well with the media last year. I think he's savvy at that. So you have to wonder what has changed. It's a fair question. But by all accounts, the people around him say that he's working hard, that he's very focused. And I like that he went out of his way to basically apologized to the Joe Haydens and the Joe Thomases that had to answer all these questions about him and say, I put this on them and I don't want it to be that way. So what more could he have done? He did a good job today. He's not seeking attention necessarily outside of, Getting stuck at this ridiculous wrestling event that happened, where he was labeled Johnny Idiot Face. I don't know what that was about. I wouldn't would <laughs> say he got stuck at it. He voluntarily went. and Sure, in the front I don't. Row. But that yeah. doesn't mean you know, he did sit anything in the front wrong. in row at a wrestling That's event, and
4: you're Johnny Manziel. You know you're going to be
1: right. mentioned. But but overall, I mean, wh- he's not 36. He's a young guy, and he is showing some signs of growth, in my opinion.
4: He convinced us last year. That though, that he was a mature right. guy and, and all that. I, I totally agree, though. What more can he say? I thought it was smart to apologize to those teammates for answering questions. It, you know, that's all great. I I don't know if his maturity is even you know the biggest issue. His football ability is the biggest issue. Oh, well,
1: that's a whole different topic, and I think that's been on, completely up and down on from what we've heard. Tuesday, I th- I thought I saw on Twitter that he fumbled three out of five
2: snaps at one point. It was three in a row, shotgun snaps. Yeah, you so, know. Uh, so he's obviously a work in progress, and everything you hear out of Baria, Baria, Baraya,
1: <laughs> which Dan is labeled an Indian burial ground.
2: It's a, a camp built on an Indian burial ground, but uh, everything here is that Josh McCown is Joe Montana in 1988, and <laughs> everyone then it's okay. Everyone's optimistic this time of year, but people are just glowing out of that camp. They love what Josh McCown's doing, so it seems like there's no way Johnny Manziel is the Week One starter.
1: But, I, some of the whispers coming out of last year was that Brian Hoyer was painted as an absolute angel was not always the easiest teammate. And McCown has been... Cleveland Springsteen? McCown has been a leader, I think, and a veteran. And I think they're pointing to what was not there last year.
3: When you were in your early 20s with the world laid out before you and dreams of becoming a writer, did you think that someday you'd be penning uh, some tribute to the 70th best quarterback in the NFL no longer making a gesture? Yeah, ah! I do. <laughs> it's a fair point. It's uh, funny that we have all these
1: starting quarterbacks talk almost every day, and when Manziel talks, we quickly must get an article up with four other points below it. And it's just like he's still treated as something that he's not. He's not even a. He's maybe not even the. He's maybe the third best quarterback on well, the team be, right now.
4: To be fair, he's one of the most high-profile players in the entered league. Someone we were all really excited for, and then he went into rehab after his rookie season, and he hadn't talked for four months since. So right. This is the first time he's addressed the media in any way. That he still and he's still a big storyline and he's
2: still—he's a charismatic guy. He's an interesting guy to, to see how he answers questions, so it makes sense.
3: I think my transition from Roto World to NFL media, the one difference that, that shocked me was that when certain players talk, no matter what they say, you have to write about it. Mm. It's just because they're available and they're speaking. Well, that's how our site operates. You signed a deal with the devil, Wes.
2: (laughs) Welcome to California.
3: Uh, Moving on, Des Bryant uh,
2: told our own um, Michael Silver recently that it was a a legit possibility that he would hold out into the regular season to get a long-term contract. Uh, Jason Garrett uh, earlier this week said he wasn't concerned with the contract dispute, basically calling Bryant's bluff. On Wednesday, Des took to Twitter and had this to say Everybody, voice and opinions. 13 mil is cool, but where is my security? I'll wait five years without complaining. So, how am I selfish? Hashtag family one. What? I don't know what the.
4: (laughs) What is the family one? Family
2: first. Probably ran on a character. Let's let's calm down with the hashtags. Society. Thank you. Yeah. Good luck with that. Uh, Greg, you were saying?
4: I wasn't saying anything. I think that the fact that Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett have both now publicly come out and said, yeah, we don't believe you at all, Des Bryant, is almost surprising to me. Like, they're not respecting him. Jerry Jones spoke today as well and said he loves the game too much. He's not going to miss any football. He loves the money too much, too.
3: Their stance is a little dismissive and, and perhaps condescending. I agree. They're not helping matters by saying, we don't believe you. And... Des will be here because he cares about the cowboy. I, come on. Now you're putting a lot of pressure on
4: Des and it's not fair. I hear you the 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 line, where is my security? Eh, the thirteen million dollars. That's pretty good security. It's more security than I've ever had. That should work. <laughs> well, except right? he's yeah, but you he's not,
1: not operating unilaterally. Like he's got agents and other people in his camp saying, No, you're worth more than this and we want to put you here and we're gonna fight for this.
4: Uh, right? I mean My takeaways from what Jones said, uh his son Stephen Jones on Tuesday was that the Bryant camp is asking for the moon and the Cowboys or the Cowboys think the Bryant camp is asking for the moon and they're just far apart in money. And that's, that's all, that's all there is to it that they'll get a contract done eventually, but they're far apart.
3: I had a debate with Corey Griffin of NBC today that he thinks that Des Bryant not only deserves to be the highest paid receiver in the game, but will become the, that shocked me. I, there's no way I believe that he'll be he'll get a better contract than Calvin Johnson. I think
4: it'll be close because it's been a it's been so long since Calvin Johnson signed it in the new. Month but he was
3: given the- a once in a generation talent deal, not a top wide receiver deal. That's fair. And I think that he's a model citizen, face of the franchise. Dez isn't those things. At why, least we it, know the Cowboys have, and the Cowboys have never overpaid their veterans before,
1: so it's impossible. <laughs> They stopped doing that. They cut DeMarcus Ware loose.
3: Uh,
2: Moving on, the San Francisco 49ers under Jim Tom Tomsuli. He said, I guess it was last week, he made a crack about it. He doesn't know what's going on with Twitter. He's not really plugged into that. Uh, But then we read an interesting story from uh, Kevin Clark of the Wall Street Journal who wrote about uh, what the 49ers are doing to get in touch with the millennial generation, uh, (laughs) that being uh, generally the age group between 18 and 34 uh, the average Niners roster age is 25 years old, so they're uh, doing some different methods in, a better, in, in, a, in their effort to better communicate. Uh, some options include changing two-hour meetings to 30-minute uh, blocks with 10-minute breaks, introducing enhanced digital playbooks that help more visual learners by including video clips, uh, getting rid of paper altogether and sending alerts on phones, uh, basically all in an effort to c- connect with a generation with a short attention span. And a deep love of Taylor Swift. Your <laughs> thoughts, gentlemen.
3: <laughs> doesn't seem that revolutionary to me. Get rid of paper. I thought we were doing that like 20 years ago.
4: Yeah, the NFL seems like such an old school business that it really is maybe implementing some methods that aren't that aggressive. It's just they're so old school. Chip Kelly was asked about it. He said, we've been doing that in terms of short meetings, for a long time. It makes Chip, sense. Chip
3: Kelly football hipster. Yeah. We've been doing that for yeah, years. For, that's old news. <laughs> We're way ahead of the millennial thing.
4: I just wanted to hear, because you guys, uh, the old, uh, I don't know what we would call this corner of the room. <laughs> <laughs> the what room did you call, call it? I don't I don't like reactionary or well, that was a something? Reactionary yeah. 40-somethings? Yeah, that was a different thing. <laughs> I, this is more about the crotchety the Crotchety corner? Crotchety well, corner. <laughs> how
1: about this? I, I will own up to what day. I am, but... I've asked, I quietly over the last couple days, when this story started to bubble up, asked, you know, probably five to seven millennial target age individuals, like, do you consider yourself a millennial? Oh, no. Not me. There's a stink on it, the title. Well, and there is, and it's not fair because you can't put everyone in that category, but I couldn't find one person that said, yes, I am, and yes, I don't have an attention span, and yes, I need things visually. I mean, not a single person known up to it.
4: I don't think anyone chooses you're, you're either a millennial or you're not. It's just when you're born. TD. TD is a millennial. Oh, do Youngish don't Kobe?
1: Yeah. Wait, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Comes back, doesn't skip a beat. <laughs> uh, Yeah. So We yeah. love the millennials because that's probably three-quarters of you, our audience. You
4: were impressed with Jim Tomsula.
2: I was. I You know, Jimmy T doesn't seem like a guy that – He's, to me, I, one of the reasons I, I see him as the guy that's shuffling deck chairs on the Titanic <laughs> is that he seems kind of old school, like the coach you would have seen pop up in 1991 in the NFC West or something.
3: Mm, tell the truth. You see him as like Cromagnon magnon school.
2: A little bit, yeah. He seems very old school, not really a guy you would think in 2015, but... This shows he's sitting in on weekly meetings where uh, people introduce uh, new apps and technologies to him that his players might be using. That seems that It's seems a little dangerous. bit weird. I'm just, I'm just throwing out the info. At the league meeting, uh, he sat in on a uh, uh, some type of dissertation or a panel in which uh, a uh, – that was – targeted towards youth mar- marketing and teaching uh, teaching people how to connect with the kids. I don't know if any of this means anything, yeah. but
4: Jim is making it. He's doing, he's, I think it's
3: a little bit of an effort. It's good. It's funny that all of these guys have somebody in the organization who would make sure that they're up on every technology, but as soon as they publicly talk about it, it's, what's this face space or tweet, tweet, Twitter? They have to act like they don't know the name of things.
2: It's a similar type thing. I was saying it to Mark downstairs during this mini camp and OTAs where all uh, beat reporters or on camera people. And I'm sure we've done it on the same podcast where it's like, before we announce some stats, like passing stats from a practice, we need to be like, it doesn't mean anything. And it's stupid that people track it. But Tony Romo is 18 for 27 (laughs) in practice today. So something to keep an eye on. It's like, just own it. Whatever you're talking about, just own it.
4: Can Can you imagine uh, Bill Belichick at the weekly meeting of how to use Snapchat or whatever? Like th- <laughs> that that part, the 30 minute meeting seemed like really what that sounds <laughs> kind of like the sort of thing that shadowy league figures put upon uh, fine young writers like yourself. Well, we all go to Corporate, meetings, so we don't want to go top down things. Hey, Jim, Jim, I really think it's important that you start learning about this new technology. That's coming from above. Can't me.
5: blame him though. I still don't know how to use Snapchat. It's
4: really I don't weird. either. Belichick can't even
5: set his clock in his car.
4: I, I'm, I'm amazed, though, uh, that you two guys did not use any this for any rants on millennials that you're usually doing. Well, uh, I
3: don't from, dislike millennials.
4: Okay, Neither do more, I. When I mean, we
1: work with them all day, I think it's fun to make fun of them in general. But like, but I well, see Mark, a lack you, of team.
4: You
2: have in the past at this very office, you've steamed over millennials. So let's not well, pretend it's now. Well,
1: things- I think it's more personality type, not age group, because I I, I don't want to go far, too far into it. I don't think a team trying to figure out how to teach and engage their players that makes better sense. that does, and I think the team like teachers do that. Yeah. Teachers today are there like, Well, oh, we can't just teach the way we did thirty years ago and the teams are probably way late to the they're way late on this, if anything.
2: We should have our theology podcast and then also our millennial uh talk about it
4: section. Oh, mm. Nothing makes me more annoyed than the generation always complaining about the next generation. Oh well, my generation. You know, we did things the right way. And like, right, <laughs> he, here's the thing: it's the most predictable thing in human history. Every single generation ever has ever said it, and yet the next time, every time you get thirty-five or forty, then you start doing it to the next group. It's
3: a fallacy of the innocent past, is what it's called.
4: Exactly, it was never any better. The world, you know, it's <laughs> never any better. My problem is better with millennials.
3: It's with anybody who is, Sorry. I guess, willing. Willing to sit there in a pool of ignorance and not look to the past and say, we can learn from this. Yeah. And this sure. is what gives, per- gives us perspective on the present. And, you know, young people have done that for a long time. It's not just millennials. And we did, too. I mean, right? oh, I are knew- you
4: kids with your Yo! MTV raps yeah. and your uh, Nickelodeon, you're crazy.
3: Your rock and roll and your are <laughs> Dan Fogelberg. <laughs> you guys got it out of your yeah. system?
2: Okay. All right, let's move on. Uh, the Rams, uh, you know, they traded for Nick Foles. Uh, in the off season, and according to Rap Sheet, they are very interested and motivated to get a long term extension done with the quarterback ahead of week one uh This struck uh, everyone immediately uh, uh, you know it was a surprise to see that the Rams would want to get deeper uh into a commitment with a player who's coming off a poor season who really only has one good season of work under a different regime uh across the country. Um, Wes, I'll start with you on this. How surprised were you to see this report that the Rams are looking to lock up Foles?
3: Well, I was definitely surprised. I didn't know what – where's the fire? What's the hurry here? I mean, you got a guy who by the middle of last year, the Eagles were already convinced that they were going to part ways with him, that he wasn't going to be their quarterback. He wasn't accurate enough. His fo- footwork was a mess. He was a product of Chip Kelly's system. I don't see why the Rams think this guy's – some franchise quarterback it 's more important to be right in your evaluation than to try to get a cheap deal.
4: This reminds me of the Andy Dalton negotiations last off season when I just implored Dalton go sign that contract like <laughs> you know don 't haggle over millions here or there. go get go get it while you can. You might be Kevin Cobb
2: according to Rappaport. One of the reasons or the primary reason they want to get the deal done now is they want to cash in while his value isn 't too high, so they 're working under the assumption that Foles is going to play at a high enough level that they're going to get burned in the back end on this, which is optimistic, sure, but still it doesn't seem like good business. And if if they do this, let's say they do give him an extension, it probably wouldn't be astronomical, but they lock into him long-term, and then he flames out, which is highly possible, and they are not a playoff team. This extension with a, a, with a so-so season could be something that gets GMs and coaches fired.
1: Well, except they spent three years singing the praises of Sam Bradford no matter what he did on the field it was this is our guy this is our guy this is what St. Louis does and it didn't get anyone fired because it feels like Sneed and Fisher can do no wrong they can go seven and nine from now until the end of days and there will be no change it's almost Bengals-esque in the way that it is so static there so it doesn't surprise me to see them backing the guy that they basically swapped out for Bradford.
4: If they did a deal, I'm sure it would be closer to the Dalton type where it's a two- or three-year, it's year-by-year year without a ton of money. And it would be less than Andy Dalton. But to Chris's point, you want to see the whole Nick Foles in a Frank Signetti P.I. offense throwing to uh, a receiver group where Kenny Britt is the number one. Let's see if that works out a little bit first sure. before giving well, the money. Detective Frank Signetti's on the case.
3: What <laughs> from what we've seen out of this coaching staff in this front office, do we have any reason to believe that they we should trust their evaluations on on the offensive side of the ball? Well I I think one thing Brian Schottenheimer, not that we've you know,
1: we've pounded on this guy before, but he's out the door and there are multiple Rams players that have said it's completely different with Signetti. The offense looks different. We're more creative, et cetera, et cetera. I think I, I think Schottenheimer, in many stops, showed that he could not look at a quarterback Jeff, and tell Jeff you. Jeff Fisher you
3: not exactly known for dynamic. No, offense. he's
1: not. Signetti, you're out of control. Give me a badge. <laughs> <is> a bad. <laughs> I'll take your badge and your gun. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> is is that also TD's mom in your world? That's un, that was Whoa. I don't know who. That, I don't yeah. think that. I'm Why just Why would you say
2: that she would speak in such a masculine way?
1: Because your past impression was equally off target. I'm sure she is a very delightful TD, woman, T D. Can you
4: do you? an impression of your mom for the show?
5: Um not really. No. Okay, actually. Cool. It sounds yeah. nothing like that though. T D okay. you gotta get married. No. <laughs> way <laughs> off.
2: <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, the Houston Texans, they have a, a real uh, barn burner uh, in the quarterback room, a great competition um, between Brian Hoyer, the fir- former Browns quarterback, Cleveland Springsteen, and Ryan Mallett, uh, who we know around here as boy. boy. Uh, according to one prominent beat reporter or uh, now columnist, uh, John McClain, of the Houston Chronicle. Hoyer, he expects Hoyer to be the week one starting quarterback and everything that apparently they're seeing. Hoyer looks comfortable in the offense. Uh, Bill O'Brien trusts him. He's uh, uh, going back their history in New England. And Ryan Mallett has not really impressed anyone so far. So, uh, Mark, uh, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, Are you surprised that Hoyer is potentially beating out uh, or so far has outplayed Ryan Mallett? Or is this kind of what we should have expected?
1: Well, not really because – Hoyer has more starting experience. He's gone through more first-team reps than Mallett could ever have dreamed up at this point. But it was a year ago, just like we talked about, a minute ago with Foles, that it was Cleveland talking about already wanting to get an extension for Hoyer in place. And one year later, he's on a different team, and he's a bad training camp away from not even being a starter. I think so, we had the
2: same conversation about exactly. Hoyer, it. I, exactly.
1: I think these Bowl. guys are a mix and match. I, both of them are going to play this season, no matter what.
4: But here's the thing. Mike Silver wrote a piece last week where he said O'Brien wants to get the starter... Announced early in training camp, possibly even before training camp. Although that that would be a surprise. That indicates to me he knows who his favorite is. And based on John McClain saying it, uh, Tanya Ganguly of uh, ESPN said, you know, Hoyer's been very consistent. And some of the things I listened to from O'Brien and a little buzz we're kind of hearing behind behind the scenes whispers. It would be surprising at this point if Brian Hoyer is not the week one starter. Sorry, Damashek, but I think Ryan Mallet's gonna be the backup. When you cover
3: news on a daily basis you start to develop a spidey sense and yesterday was that that you've got john mcclain who's been on the beat for what 30 or 40 years uh he has uh, he's very well sourced in houston tanya gangoli who's been on the beat for a few years and they both have almost identical tweets that Hoyer looks like the guy. He's so much more natural in the offense, almost like they were being fed this information. Exactly.
4: They're not making this up out of thin air. Someone is telling them that, and they're now confident enough to send it to the public that he's going to get the job. So
3: I feel like I'm going to take this sandwich prop that I have with Damashek. What was it? You 12 mentioned. starts for Mallett this year.
4: Oh, I wish I got on that. Yeah,
3: it was. that was an easy one. <laughs> I Mallett might not make a single
2: start. The things that Sheck was saying about Ryan Mallett from about February until last month were outrageous,
4: yeah, they could you could be arrested for some of them <laughs>
2: <laughs> We'll see what happens uh all right, moving on, so the Green Bay Packers have you know obviously one of the best offenses in football, if not. The best, and uh, there is reason for excitement. They could be even better this year with Aaron Rodgers behind center and uh, some interesting players, Chris Wessling. You have the uh, rookie Ty Montgomery, second year wideout Devontae Adams, who uh, is being called the MVP of the offseason program, and then uh, six year tight end Andrew Corliss. Who is looking for a bigger role this season, Wes? You think that this could be a year where these guys become big-time players in an already great offense?
3: Well, records are broken, you know, on a semi-annual basis now in the NFL just because of we're in the pass-heavy offense age. So, I mean, to me, why can't the Packers break Peyton Manning's records from a couple of years Ooh. ago? You've got already one of the best offenses in the league. I think Mike McCarthy said, if we if we improve a little bit, we'll be the best offense pro football has seen. Pretty high praise, and then that was before Devontae Adams came on like gangbusters this offseason. I went back and watched his tape and loved everything about it. Um, Aaron Rodgers has been saying since the playoffs that this guy's a future number one receiver. You throw in Corliss, who he says is going to take the jump. I think it's I think making, he's copying the off making on making the leap. Yeah, and then Ty Montgomery, who the spice rack.
1: Mm.
4: Basically, well, your he- boy. The yeah, spice boy. rack basically compared him to some kind of Steve Smith Anquan Bolden hybrid. For new listeners, spicy. This is some sort of Sven Gali in, <laughs> in the mountains that does nothing but watch oh. football film and feeds Wesseling his four pearls of nugs each year. College, and they're always right. College, Wes pays players. them in
2: granola. <laughs> Keep him alive in Gatorade.
1: It's like Wes and I were talking about yesterday before watching the Cavs go down in massive flames. That. <laughs> the Packers have proven to be the one team that, without signing free agents and bringing in other pl- players that other teams develop, they develop their own and they just keep re- reloading. And it's it, this happens every year. There's this dark horse candidate in Green Bay that gets a lot of praise, and
4: this time around it sounds like they found a number three who's going to set it up. Yeah, well, I hope he's not the this year's Cordell Patterson. Because I think Adams, the way Rodgers is talking about him in terms of his – work ethic and his leadership and he you know he likes his confidence he thinks he carries himself like a number one receiver I think they believe he's at the point where he can be a, as productive and maybe as impactful as Randall Cobb and, and maybe even Jordy Nelson coming off hip surgery
3: well, one thing we underestimate in the 21st century is, because of the free agency era is the value of stability and continuity and you read old football books and they'll tell you that offenses Dynasties happened basically because all of these players were playing with each other every year. And that, look at the Packers. I mean, Adams is the only one who hasn't been there longer than two years, really. I guess Richard Rogers, the tight end, but Rogers has been throwing to these guys for years. The offensive line's gelled for years. That's a big advantage going into the season.
2: One of the, um funnier aspects of going to that premiere yesterday was a lot of people that were there we know on some level um and people were giving mark um condolence messages about the Cavs and it was clear mark had checked out uh, days earlier on this <laughs> this Cleveland reawakening and you didn't really care that Well Cleveland no
1: lost. because you know not to be negative on the Cavs that they, they fought very hard but I just felt like it was over after before yesterday's game, it, I Chuck, was a You
2: were like emotionally man. attached to them.
3: Not yesterday. You detached very quickly. You were for like the end of game one through game four. It was a
2: little weird. Yeah,
3: you were very invested, and then you, then you realized it wasn't going to happen. I did an emotional checkout. Self defense. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you.
2: Uh, finally, the Tennessee Titans released Sean Green, uh, Green who came into the league with the Jets, and and I re- he was. Awesome as a rookie. I remember him running over Antonio Cromartie, or Antonio Cromartie ducking to get away from Sean Green in the playoffs on a 50-yard 50 50 yard touchdown I remember run. he
3: tore through the Bengals' defense like they weren't even there. He in did. The he, he
2: was a hard downhill-type runner, and he looked like a guy that was going to be good for many years. And he kind of just petered out, and he was basically um, an afterthought this season. There was no way they are going to keep him. So Sean Green on the street.
4: Mike Munchak once compared him to Eddie George when he came to Tennessee. He's going to be like our Eddie George.
1: Well, and we've I been here. a liar. Maybe- <laughs> we've been here long enough where we were writing articles about he was going to be the Jets' bell cow, and then that never happened, and he never has been that guy since. And they've found younger players in Tennessee that they like a lot more than him. Little spoiler
3: for the next segment coming up: might
1: be we're going to
4: we might talk some Titans running game. Whisper.
3: It's fitting that he was released by the Titans because he hasn't been relevant in a few years, and the Titans are just now starting to become relevant. Oh, it's like they're shedding their former identity. Here. So yeah. getting
4: rid of Green's like the last little bit they need. Sean Green was like to relevance.
2: He was like the perfect uh, representative of the Tytoons. Yes, and mm. he doesn't fit in with the new. He doesn't fit in with the new Mariotta world order. Ty-tunes.
4: The six Titans fans that stuck with us through last season are loving <laughs> this talk. <laughs>
2: All right. That's what's happening. Uh, let's move on and talk a little rookie, rookie ball, in a segment we like to call Rookie Buzz or Rookie Whispers. Careless Whisper <laughs> by Wham TD. Come this back. This
5: is a Sully special, actually. He Sully. He is trying to get Sully
2: him fighting him. to stay Sully relevant. Sully knows the
3: guilty feet have got no
5: rhythm.
2: <laughs> um. Look at Sully fighting for relevance. That's good one job, millennial buddy. that knows Don't his music up. history. Yeah, very good.
5: <laughs> that is a jam. No question.
2: Oh, what a song. Anyway, uh, so yes, we're going to do some Rookie Careless Whispers. And, uh, you know, we'll start with Mark Sessler, who really, I mean, this guy, when you want to come to someone that's plugged in on the backfields of America and the uh, depth charts and everything you want to know about running backs, you go to Mark Sessler. So, Mark, uh, I believe your two choices are both running backs.
1: Yeah, let's start with David Cobb, the young Titans running back who Daniel Jeremiah thinks is a sneaky candidate for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Abba, abba. And it one day, you know, day after he said that, they go and they cut Sean Green, and Ken Wisenhunt basically said, it's We've got the young guys have looked good enough. We don't need them. And I do think that, you know, Sankey was. Sankey was Greg's boy last year, and maybe, you know, we can swing and miss twice on the same team in the same position group, but it sounds like Cobb gives that team what they need. He's advertised as a tough between-the-tackles guy who maybe isn't necessarily a super flashy guy on tape, but they want to be a tough running team. That's what they've tried to be for years, and, you know, they want Sankey to add weight and get bigger, but Cobb's already a bigger guy that can do it.
4: The only thing I wonder is, if they loved him so much, why did they take him in the fifth round? DJ talks about him as a sneaky offensive rookie of the year candidate, which is fine. Maybe he will be. Alfred Morris was a six, sixth-round pick. Zach was a fifth-round you know. pick. They took a fullback before it him. It happens sometimes. But they, they clearly didn't think he was going to be a game-changing player if they took a fullback in front of him. True. I looked at his draft
1: diary that we have on the site, and there was an AFC running backs coach that said, like, I hope we can get him. He can step right in and play because he runs tough and he knows how to pass protect. I have to wonder if that was Tennessee. But again, if it was, they really waited a while to get him. At the same time, like, Sankey is, he feels vulnerable because he's under pressure to come in and be something he wasn't all last season. It's like maybe he's just automatically going to be second down, second string by the
4: time it, the season nothing starts. nothing special about him. Whispers.
2: That means do your next one.
1: We're going two in a row.
2: Oh, yeah. Back all to right. back, baby.
4: Well, the second
1: guy, you know, Duke Johnson from Cleveland, because I thought they already had their two young running backs. Greg, go ahead. What are you going to (laughs) do? I just wanted to do it. A second duplicate sound effect. I like that. Uh, you know, Mark, stay it, focused. Sometimes yeah, it's, it's in stereo. I am trying to. There's <laughs> the multiple sound effects. You Duplicate have to stay
4: focused effect. during your thing. We could just go, Whisper! I will
1: forge on. <laughs> at any I time. Think they, I think yeah. it's, you know Adam Kaplan from ESPN came away saying that Duke Johnson is at, <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough is enough. <laughs> enough is enough. He's been by far the most impressive running back. The, Wilbert Montgomery, their running back's coach, said they're going to use him as a Geo Bernard type character. Oh, well. Character. well. Where's Waldo type character? We'll see. I don't know. I like it. I am done. I'm not saying another word. Continue on.
2: Whispers. Chris Wesley.
3: When uh, I started hearing about Amari Cooper a few weeks ago, Adam Kaplan had a report that he was the real deal in OTAs, and Eric Edholm of Yahoo spoke with an agent who said his client was in all of uh, Amari Cooper, playing like a veteran. Uh, so he was coming on the scene. I reached out to Rap Sheet to figure out, like, what he's hearing, And he said, well, he knew that when Cooper came out of Alabama, they considered him the best and most ready NFL wide receiver they have ever produced, including Julio Jones. Mm. And then Rapsheet, I believe, is fairly tight with Reggie McKenzie, the Raiders' GM, who came over from Green Bay and tried to sign Randall Cobb as a free agent. The Packers signed him right before the deadline. But apparently McKenzie views Cooper as a bigger and more NFL ready Randall Cobb, which is pretty high praise. Cooper has <laughs> been everything he was billed to be.
4: Maybe that came from them not getting Randall Cobb. That was one of their big uh, free agent targets. You don't get him,
3: you get Amari. Get somebody better. <laughs>
2: Who
3: else you got? Philip Dorsett. Philip Dorsett, I believe is how it's pronounced. Cool no, t- no, <laughs> That's right. That's was that TD's mom? <laughs> no,
5: no,
2: no.
3: Wow.
5: No, 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 I'm going to have to get my mom on the phone
3: before this <laughs> Yeah, TD, I, I apologize. I to lay
5: off
1: this nonsense. TD, it's
2: time for you to find a woman.
1: Oh, my gosh. That, <laughs> that is not correct. What was that? <laughs> that is, now she's an Irish man? <laughs> gotcha. Let's go ahead. It's
4: Mel Gibson and Braveheart, basically.
3: Always loved you. Always <laughs> have. like I'm watching Rob Roy.
2: All right. Sorry. This is my fault.
3: <laughs> well, Philip Dorset. You know he's going to come in and his speed is going to impress right away, and that happened, but when these fast guys come in, I remember when Chris Johnson came in in 2008. The key is the coaches and the quarterback, are they are they praising you for the right reasons? Dorsett's playing all the wide receiver positions. He's got a handle on them. He's in the right place. He's where he's supposed to be. Dante Moncrief wasn't doing all that stuff last year. Dorsett is. He's coming in, and Andrew Luck trusts him, and the quarterbacks love and the coaches love him. I think that's a great sign
4: they're going to be if if the packers could break records this offseason why can't the colts i mean this season if, if i mean why can't the colts with if dorset is as fun as he th- as we think he is and the run game is better like they are a team that should be competing and I would, be the leading point. two
3: reasons the packers offensive line is considerably better than the colts and as much as i like luck he's not aaron Rodgers. Well, and how about the Colts defense? Can they get off the field? I don't love the
1: They defense. also get to play. That would help. Doris, them. That, that would help them. them score points. Yeah,
4: exactly. Their lousy defense Give up 40 points a game and luck is good. Shootouts.
1: Not if they're on the field for 40 minutes a game.
4: Waspers. Uh
1: I'll go next. The
2: Chicago Bears <laughs> use their 7th uh the 7th overall pick on Kevin White. Uh just June, of course, but uh there is uh, an injury that he's dealing with that they're tight-lipped on haven't said anything. Our own Stacey Dales tweeted that it was, quote, something to keep an eye on. And uh, meanwhile, you know, when you talk about which guys hit the ground running, which guys need some time to get going, uh, I found it somewhat notable that Jay Cutler said that White uh, is competing for the fourth wideout spot right now behind Alshon Jeffrey, Marquise Wilson, and Eddie Royal. Mm. So, you know, all rookies need to work their way up a depth chart, but this is a guy you expect to have an instant impact, and it seems like maybe he's a little slow out of the gates and his health isn't helping matters.
3: I think that's the John Fox factor. Who mm. just absolutely dis- is disgusted by playing rookies? I J-
4: mean. Jay Cutler once again building a bridge to a great relationship <laughs> with the young, <laughs> young receivers. Hey, you're worse than Marquise Wilson. Pretty <laughs>
2: royal for Christ's sake. Uh, but
4: that's a fair point about Fox. Whether it's White's fault or not in the injury, you know, we'll see if it's serious at all. Fox could get in the way. As he's gotten in the way of a lot of young players over the years, (laughs) that could be a problem. I'd be shocked if Kevin White isn't starting opposite Alshon Jeffrey when the season opens. Wouldn't Adam Gase have some say in this? Cutler also said Jeffrey has a chance to be like a true number one. I thought he kind of was. Well, he has to be. I don't think he has been at this point. Maybe well, no, but he has ago. to be now. Wait,
3: you were you were
4: saying on this very podcast two years ago that Jeffrey was better than Brandon he, Marshall. He he was playing better that year, and he was making more big plays. I guess I'm thinking more about last year. He wasn't a consistent guy you looked at each week and thought that that's the guy we got to worry you about. You were Alshon
3: Jeffrey's biggest fan. Yeah,
4: I, well,
1: it doesn't help when Cutler's the one setting you up with the football. I mean, that's a major issue.
4: Whispers. <laughs> Whispers.
2: Uh, I'm starting to get excited about the Jameis Winston experience. Big, strong, talented—you know—backup <laughs> comes onto an offense. Yeah, not a starter yet. <laughs> comes to an office with two All-Pro playmakers, some some other interesting pieces. Uh, you know, Crabman's going to do some work this year, and I also find it interesting that he's been—I—I've watched his press conferences and his meeting with the media. He's come off as impressive. I know you know it kind of brought back some memories for me of. When Cam Newton came out of college with all that baggage, and then he's been kind of a model citizen ever since he got to the league. Maybe the Bucks luck out, and their all their scouting work that he was an immature kid, but he was gonna it would click. So far, so good. It seems like he's got the respect of his teammates. He's doing the right things. He's getting uh, raves from the people covering the team that he's looking really good so far. I think so far, so good for Jameis Winston, who. Uh, to me, is the favorite for offensive. Well, I mean, media. if we're
1: worried about John Fox managing the career of a young offensive talent, what do we think about Lovey Smith? who says he has a plan. I'm going mean, to put him at number two and keep rolling him at number two snaps. What plan is this? Because this is not a guy that's rolled out a lot of successful offensive plans ever, not even one. This is
4: the most proven offensive coordinator and most capable offensive True. coordinator he's ever had. And that's not – Dirk Cutter is not that More proven, proven
3: than Mike Martz? Mm. Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator mm. Mike Martz,
4: well, didn't architect r- of the greatest show on earth, Mike Martz. How's what Mike, era, though? How's Mike Martz done since then? But yeah. that's fair. He's not. He's not as proven uh, as Mike Martz. Most of the Bears' offensive coordinators, and there were Mike Tice. There were a lot of them. <laughs> you know, weren't really guys that had just come from a, a very similar and positive situation. I'm giving a little credit. To cut her, because Smith's not going to be involved. I think we've learned that. He's like a Rex Ryan type that's just has no clue and hopes some other guy does the offense for him.
3: If Lovey Smith has a plan involving a quarterback, I want nothing to do with that plan.
4: Oh. <laughs>
2: whispers. <How dare you. laughs>
4: Why is, is my whispers just so, petering uh, out? Well the the yeah.
2: podcast is coming to a close and you know, how many whispers can a man have before it's his final
4: breath? Whispers. <laughs> that's strong. <laughs>
2: I give him a little music, too. He seems to be needing it right now.
4: Yeah. How about Marcus Mariota? We we might as well stick with the uh, top quarterbacks. I think if I was reading between the lines of all the top players that were taken in the draft, including Winston, I think Mariota's made the strongest, most immediate Hmm. impression with everyone around that team saying, you know, I know they're going to say it about the new franchise quarterback, but the position coaches, the players, the reporters, everyone's saying – that they're far more impressed than they expected with how he's jumped out of the gates in terms of taking charge of the team, learning the offense, and zipping some accurate passes in practice.
2: Devil's advocate? It's, I would love to go back to 2011, June, and see what they were saying about Jake Locker.
4: It's fair because Not, you hear this stuff about every I don't know. Of these guys. I, he, he was struggling to get playing time. Mariota is a guy that they're put they're putting in right away. That's the number one guy right away. He's taking charge. Locker was sort of the opposite. But my it's point more did, being that usually these
2: high high end guys, everyone's in love with them initially.
4: But you
3: know. just but Lock- talked about Winston.
2: Yeah, but I was—I said that the—you know—I <laughs>
3: hear you. But I didn't
2: just talk about his actual ability on the field; that he seemed to be carrying himself in a good way after being troubled in college.
4: But Locker's a good example, and Manzel and Ponder and a lot of guys; those guys were known as being inaccurate in practice. They did take a long time to kind of learn the system and everything. It just—I guess it's the level of that they—they they think he's. Ready to go, and more of the approach that he's had in the building. People were worried about the leadership, all that.
1: Well, remember a couple of months ago when we we're huddled over our TVs watching Winston go through his quarterback thing, where they're swinging a broom at him. Oh yeah, what's going on right now is not a whole lot removed from that, honestly. So let's get the pads on and let's see it against a real defense. It's all wind right now, and we know it. Whisper. <laughs> hey,
4: Duke Johnson sucks.
1: <laughs> hey, how about that's not what we're that's not the whispers we're hearing, Greg. Let's be accurate about what the whispers are saying. Know. Whispers. I
4: don't even remember <laughs> who who is my second guy. I don't know. It's I thought you've one already done like he's two an animal.
2: Guys. Oh, Devontae uh, Parker. Levante Parker. Uh, uh, we covered that.
4: Devante Parker. <laughs> the point with him is that everyone is expected that he's going to come back and make a big impact. This is a foot surgery that he's going to be out for three to four months. So I just wanted to kind of put this. Out there, that he might not be ready for the start of the season, and he's going to be way behind in terms of learning things in training camp. And this foot surgery, he's gotten a lot of buzz like, okay, everything was great before the foot surgery, and just putting that to the side. It's a pretty big deal. He had foot surgery. He wouldn't have been drafted in the first round if he had foot surgery. That's one of the most problematic injuries that you can possibly have, and it makes me a little worried if you're a Dolphins fan about the improvement of that How about receiver. if you're
1: Devonta Parker's mom? Don't go say, I don't want to my son playing for the Browns. I don't want him playing in Cleveland. How about you get on the field in Miami first? Is
2: that what Devonta Parker's <laughs> mom sounds
1: like? Yeah. Well, I don't know that. No, I did not shift into one of your fantastic female impressions right there. Whispers. That's it. I'm throwing out another one. All right. Oh, right. no.
4: How about Delvin Bro? B-R-E-A-U-X. Now, that is a name that you want. That is a New Orleans Saints name if I ever heard one. I've been to a Cajun uh, crawfish festival in Bro Bridge, Louisiana. I mean, that is a Cajun word, a Cajun name. You mad, bro? Guy no one ever heard of, and he's their starting slot cornerback right now out of nowhere, passing the immortal Kyle Wilson.
3: I did hear about him. You know why I heard about him? He shut down Deron Carter in the CFL playoffs. Like, just... Locked him down.
4: Deep bro
2: On the biggest stage in the world. The, the CFL C- F- F-
4: F- F- playoffs. Physical <laughs> cornerback who's coming off of two years in the CFL. Watch out for him. He counts as a rookie.
1: Dan, or uh, Greg here, who, you know, this is not well advertised, but along with being a Patriots fan, yeah. a Saints fan. And now that the Patriots, there's been an offseason a little bit rocky. They've already They've come off a big Super Bowl, getting back in his yeah, D-bro mode. He loves D-bro, cornerback, slot corner guy, and he's getting back on the Saints. They look good this season. He, he just bailed shifts. on the Saints after the Super Bowl, just like he's bailing on the Patriots. He will the shift Bowl. right back into Saints mode if they get hot. Watch. Once you get a little success, you get
4: bored. You move on. <laughs>
2: that's ugly. All right. That's, that's it for uh, Rookie Whispers, the careless edition. Um, and that is it for yeah, let's play out with this that's it for uh well, today's no, edition. before we do that we oh
5: silly me you know the i joke. forgot i forgot okay yeah. go ahead all right so you were doing off. so well td can i,
2: I th- just say before you do this yeah i have a feeling that I, i'm pulling for mark here i got a good feeling about tonight
5: uh, oh right. good I, i'll tell you this i'll tell you this mark for once didn't come last
2: oh <laughs> wow, <laughs> that, goes wow.
5: To, that goes to dan and his horrible mother impressions <laughs> <laughs> yeah. td come on man <laughs> Horrible, and uh, yeah. I got to go with Greg. I mean, he was enthusiastic with whispers. Right. He was jumping on the sound effects. He was ready to go. So I got to go with Greg. Great choice. Good job, Greg. Great. Now before we leave, though, before we leave, I have a voicemail from my mom. So oh, here, what ooh, she sounds like. very good. Wow. So I think you deserve the MVP today, T D. Well, maybe, maybe we will say. But here's my mom calling me and singing for some reason.
1: Somebody loves you. I want you to know. Oh.
5: It's bleeding my heart. she wants you to know That's what a sweet woman say something
2: that was very nice, and uh, you know, I'm happy you have such a great mother, but that didn't sound too far off from <laughs> <us. laughs>
3: yes, yes, To <it> <laughs> <Let's> be honest <laughs>
2: somebody loves you you need to know. <laughs> that I always loved you,
5: and is, I always really is guy. Guy. <laughs> In his mind, he sounds like he – in his mind, he thinks he's doing the great impression. I was yeah. like that. A young me was like that Was Snoop Dogg. I thought I sounded like Snoop Dogg. A true Dogg, young Kobe. Your mom – Young d-
3: Snoop Dogg and young that Kobe? That was great. That was beautiful. Good job. <laughs> Your
1: mom just put moms everywhere on blast. Who got a voice mail from their mom like That's that today? Good. That's pretty good. <laughs> All right. Let's get out of here.
2: Congratulations, Greg. We'll be back. On Thursday, with our big Win West's Toaster, Skill and Valor Spectacular. Maybe Connor Orr will be on the phone too, so get ready for that. Are you kidding me? This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss, TD behind the glass. Till Thursday.